0: Good morning and welcome to Northern Hills Bible Chapel. This is our Sunday morning message and uh, we will be continuing on in the Psalms covering Psalms 22 today. Let's take a moment to ask the Lord to bless our time as we uh, endeavor to uh, understand this scripture and what the Lord would have us to know about it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness, your patience, your kindness, Father, to us. Lord, we just pray that as we study this chapter, this book of Psalms, this book of poetry that David gave us, Lord, you just pray that it would be an impact to our life, that it would make a change in us, and that that change would be pleasing to you. Lord, we pray for those that are listening to this that we do not know. Many people who have been listening to this um, these addresses uh, over the internet. Lord, we just pray that it would be a blessing to them, wherever they may be. We thank you for your love for us, Father. We thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf, Lord. How good you were to love us before we loved you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to start by just reading Psalm 22 help, uh, to help us have some perspective In regards to what we're going to be talking about. And so I'll do that right now. Psalm 22 My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. O my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and they were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and I am not a man. A reproach of men and despised by people. All who see me sneer at me and they separate their lip. And they shake their heads saying, commit yourself unto the Lord. Let him deliver you. Let him rescue you, because he delights in you. Yet you are he who brought me forth from out of the womb. You made me to trust when I was up upon my mother's breasts. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from the very start from my mother's womb. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. For there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a shard of a pot. And my tongue cleaves to my jaws. And you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. They look and they stare at me. And they divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword. I desire my life. Save it from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth. If you would remember from the horns of the wild oxen, you answered me. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him. All you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All of the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all of the families of the nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All of those who go down to the dust will bow before him. Even he who cannot keep his soul alive, posterity, will serve him. It will be told of the Lord. To the coming generation, they will come and will declare the righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. Well, we are thankful for God's word. I hope just the reading of that was a blessing to you. I would invite you to, to continue to come on with us and look at this remarkable passage as we desire to know what the Lord would have us believe about this inspired writing from David. I've broken this, just for the sake of this study, I've broken this chapter down into two sections. One is persecution and prophecy, and the other one is praise and our powerful Savior. You know, there are two schools of thought, well, three really. I think the one that we're going to discuss that I believe is the most accurate, I'm confident is true— and then two other ones that are out there and when it comes to this passage and I wanted to just be fair and put them out there to let you know that there are other opinions about this passage but one is that David simply picked up the quill and he penned this prophetic word and he had no idea what he was writing it was unrelatable to him he just simply wrote these words and 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 here it was this was all about our lord at the cross the things he said The other opinion is that this is not prophecy at all. It's simply a a time in David's life when he described his current situation and his deliverance. I believe, and I think the text is very clear, and I'll give some examples as to why I believe this, that David personally was going through a very difficult time in his life. And God used this inspired poem to tell of the things to come. As I've studied this psalm and other scriptures, I have confidence that this is both personal and prophetic. It's called many times a messianic psalm or a prophetic psalm, and today I'm going to call it the miraculous poem. You know, although we don't know specifically about what was going on in David's life that was causing his troubles and his lament, I believe that this is a a true story of David's time of trouble because we have other examples of david where he has experienced difficult times that someone in the bible had written about or that he had written about himself i just briefly want to cover those 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 things so that we have a little perspective on why this would not be uncommon for david to write a psalm like this first of all when we look at david as a shepherd boy We know that there were examples that he had given and times he had given where he had fought the bear and the lion and other wild beasts. Being a shepherd wasn't always stimulating work. A lot of times it was fearful work, doing things that were very difficult, trying to maintain and take care of a flock of sheep in open country. David was a young man. He had confidence in his staff or crook, and he had confidence in his sling. David had written psalms about his time as a shepherd boy. He had extreme confidence in the Lord. He had those wonderful moments where him and the Lord could just talk, and the Lord gave him courage. But those were also tough times. All right, look at the situation that David had in his family. On the, outside, on, the, on the outside, looking in, it would appear that yeah, David, he was one of many brothers and had a father that cared for the family. But is that really the way that the family was toward David? Let's think about the time when Samuel was told to go and anoint the next king of Israel. He would find him in the house of Jesse. Samuel went and he, was, he explained to Jesse that he wanted to see all of the boys. All of the boys were lined up and they were strong, they were strapping, they were fair. And not one of them was God's anointed. Jesse asked that question. Samuel said as much Not one of these is God's anointed. Is this all that you have? And the response of Jesse, well, there's David, shepherd boy out in the field. Samuel's response was to go and get David. And David was anointed as the future king of Israel. Another time when when the Israelites were facing off against the Philistines in the Valley of Elah, David went to provide provision to his brothers. And as he got there, Trying to be a good brother, providing provision, sitting in a bunker or a trench, he received nothing but disdain. He received nothing but accusations and, and and grief for his trouble, for trying to be a good brother. David, what are you doing here? Seriously, did you just come to check out the battle? I guess David could have asked the same exact thing because they'd been looking at the Philistines for some time. But David was humble and indignant, indignant for his Savior, indignant for his God. He was angry that the Philistine would blaspheme God's name. He was angry that nobody had stood up to defend the Lord. He was angry, righteously angry, at the fact that everyone just sat in their foxhole. Now, we could go on and talk about David's courage with Goliath, and that he, had sing- that he was of a singular mind, and no fear entered his mind, that God was with him. But really our intent is to just show how David was going at times, through many times of trouble from the outside, from outside forces, wild things, from inside forces, his family. We see another time when David was on the run from King Saul. I bet that was tough. A king in exile. David had been anointed by Samuel. He was supposed to be the king. Yet God had not given him his position on the throne at this time. I'm sure David could have given Saul and his army quite the battle. Very likely David and his men would have won. They had many victories in the past. But this was a very, very difficult time for David. Because he wanted to honor the Lord and not raise his hand against God's anointed. David even felt bad when he cut the hem of Saul's coat. Yes, I think that this passage in Psalm 22 is about David and a real time that he endured in his life. Because the Bible is clear to give us so many examples of David when he struggled. We look at his firstborn, his child, excuse me, we look at his child with Bathsheba. We look at his, his, uh, his groaning over Absalom. The Bible is clear to give us many examples of David going through times of trouble I don't see that this chapter is any different than the other ones, but it is unique. This psalm is more than just a nod to a future event. When you read this psalm, it is almost a word-for-word account of what will happen to Jesus on the cross. It states how the people involved will participate and what the responses will be, even what they say. It even provides exact details of what Jesus will say During his crucifixion. I'd like to take a moment to go through. And look at some of the parallels. That this psalm has. To other uh, portions of scripture. Namely in the gospels. The ones I will use will be found in Matthew. To start with. If you would you can look at Matthew 27. Verse 39. And they that passed by. Reviled him. Wagging their heads. If we marry that up. We can go right to psalm. 22.7 Twenty-two seven. all who see me sneer at me they open their mouth toward me and they wag their head Matthew 27.43 he trusted in God let him deliver him now if he will have him for he said I am the son of God we can marry that up to Psalm chapter 22 verse 8 commit yourself to the Lord let him deliver him let him rescue him because he delights in him Matthew 27:35 And they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture they did cast lots Psalm 22 verse 18 They divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots And Matthew 27 46, probably one of the most stark um, parallels between Matthew and Psalm 22, Matthew twenty seven forty six, and at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sak bakhtani. that is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. I could go on and there are more and more parallels from the Gospels to the Psalm. But hear this message from God the Father and hear it clearly. This inspired word is all about my son and his name is Jesus the Christ. It is interesting as we look at these two books... That they're separated not just by some time, but by roughly a thousand years. David wrote about crucifixion 700 years before the Persians invented it and invented it, and 1,000 years before the Romans perfected it. What I find amazing here is, is that to a world looking at the Bible, We've heard all of the statements before, that it's a book that contradicts itself, that, that you can't trust it, that it's rules written by men, that it's just not complete, it's not accurate, it, its history is wrong. But it's passages like Psalm 22 and the Gospels in this case that give me extreme confidence in this word, that it is the word of God. As I said, David wrote this psalm roughly 1,000 years before Jesus went through what he had went through at Calvary. Let's take a look at this psalm and what actually happened to Jesus. It's likely that Jesus knew this and many other psalms, if not all of the psalms, as they were poems and songs that were sung in the temple. David specifically was going through something in his time, He definitely had struggles, and Jesus would know these words as they were in the psalm. You could say that Jesus maybe even played a part to go ahead and offer validity to David's psalm so that the prophecy would be complete, but you would think that in error. The Romans certainly did not know the psalms, and yet they performed their part in accordance and in line with what David wrote perfectly. The high priests, the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the Temple, well, they may have known the Psalm very well, but they wanted to deny that Jesus rose from the dead. As a matter of fact, they wanted to have people set it up so they could say that he was stolen from his own disciples and taken away to another location. Even if they did know the psalm and they like this psalm and they likely did, would they want to go ahead and play an exact part? No, I think that they played a part because it was prophesied that they would. The Romans did not know, so they could not have played a part to make this prophecy fulfill. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priests of the temple, they wouldn't have wanted to play a part. And most importantly, David did not know he was playing a part specifically. He was like so many other prophets where he could kind of stand on his tiptoes and look through the ages maybe and say, I wonder, I wonder what this will be about. We can look at this passage and see that David has to say, I'm writing this, I don't know specifically why. I know what I'm going through. But there are certain things here that are going to be unique to somebody else. There are certain things in the future that will happen, and I don't understand them all. We could see that with Isaiah. He didn't know of who he discussed. David, he did. He discussed himself and someone to come. Isaiah only discussed someone to come. I have great confidence in God's word because there are so many places in Scripture that point to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. And that's what the Lord, that's what his heavenly Father wants us to know, that this is his Son in whom he is well pleased. Hear him. We can have confidence, supreme confidence, in the word of God because God can do through millennia what no one else can do and he can do it seamlessly. I'd like to turn now to the last part of this psalm which I've given a title Praise in Our Powerful Savior. Let me just read that last section again. But you are, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword. My only life, From the power of the dog, save me from the lion's mouth. From the horns of the wild oxen, you answer me. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. You know, that's the cry of the human heart. It's not just unique to David or those people of the Old Testament. It's unique to us in our time. We have so many people that feel isolated and alone. And they're crying, help, help. As believers, we have the opportunity to offer that help. Because we have a Savior that can give that help. David had found, he would looked through all of these problems and all of this persecution, and he, he did what David did best. He continued to observe the God who he knew from the beginning, and then he started to worship and praise God. We're at this section here where David is really, really wanting to lay down worship and praise for God. Because God has taken time To deliver David, the Lord has looked on his situation and he did not turn a blind eye. He did not give a deaf ear. He hearkened unto David. He came to David and David was grateful. So grateful that he wants the whole assembly involved in worship. He wants all who fear the Lord to praise him. He wants everyone in the Jewish nation, all the descendants of Jacob, to glorify him. David gives us some insight to what we should be doing for a holy God. We've heard before that the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. Are we praising well? Are we praising the Lord well? And if there's any confusion as to what we should praise the Lord for, as many times I think we become familiar with Jesus, we can look at what God has done for us. That's what David did. David realized he was going through a heavy time of persecution, and that may be our lot right now. At this exact moment, we might be dealing with something that is very tumultuous, very tough in our life. Cry out to Jesus. Call to God. Ask Him to intervene in your life. But you know, God's still worthy of praise. He's still worthy of glory, even if we're going through the best time of our life. Why? Why? It's because of the next section. The next section. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. This is why. All of the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all of the families of the nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he rules over the nations, all the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust will bow before him, even he who cannot keep his soul alive. Posterity will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born, that he has performed it. And I'm adding, it is finished. Why does God deserve our praise and our ability to glorify Him? Why does He deserve it? Why should we worship? Because Christ made a way for us to come to Him. We're all familiar with the verse in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not that we loved Him first, but that He loved us first. You know, I I look at... um, there's a wonderful brother in the Lord who has now went home to be with the Lord. And many of us know him. And he had, he, for decades of his life, he had served in Christian apologetics. Not the apologizing for the faith, but giving an argument for the faith. And his name was Ravi Zacharias. I think so many times that we look at our lives and from what we were told before growing up, that we should be good, good people, be good rather than bad. And really, we look at this passage And we realize, and I've heard this from Ravi before, that God did not come into the world to make bad people good, to to make dead people live. We praise the Lord because he has opened our eyes to new life. He has taken us from death into life. We're dead to sin. We are no longer controlled specifically by the devil, by Satan. We have new life. And that new life has come to us because of Jesus' sacrifice and his completed work on the cross. Psalm 22 is about David, but it's all about Jesus. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. We honor the Lord because he has made a way. We praise his name because he made a way. We glorify and worship him because he has made a way. A way to life everlasting, a way to the Father, a way to rest in him. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful and humbled that you made a way. Lord, we see great problems across our nation and across this world. We see uh, hearts that are black with hatred for one another that has plenty to go around. We see a world that seems like it's coming apart, that the status quo will change, that the norms that we've experienced as Christians that we like might change over the next few months or years. Lord, that makes us uncomfortable. Father, we have the hope of Jesus Christ in our life. We have a gift that we should share, share to many. That that little passage in the end that David will proclaim it to the whole world while he's stating that but he's stating that really for Christ there's no way David could have done that and we've seen that Christ has had an impact in this world he's turned this world upside down Lord your son your son has made a way possible for every man woman and child to come to know him and to know life and to escape death And Lord, we don't know what tomorrow brings, and we don't know what our future holds, but we know, as we've heard in times past, who holds the future. And Lord, that should give us supreme confidence. We should be moving forward in ways that please you with our witness, with our conversation, with what we do in our life, so that others would follow you and let you worry about the details of what will happen that's good or bad. Lord, I pray that this psalm is an encouragement to many, that David went through a horrible time in his life. And because of praise and worship, he came out happy. He came out joyous. He came out praising his Savior. And Lord, I pray that as people review this song, they look at a Savior named Jesus, who went through a really horrible time who went through the worst he could ever go through. And he came out joyous. And he came out happy on the other side because he had won to himself his people. Father, I pray that the Lord gives us a little more time. Excuse me. I pray that you give us a little more time, Lord. I pray that we have a little more time to understand how important it is Lord, that we offer you to the public, to the world. And I pray that, Lord, many more would come to know you because of what your son has done on the cross and how he is asking and pleading with those to come from death to life. Lord, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the truth in it. We're glad that we are only able to scratch the surface because it allows us to have so much more to learn as we get older. Father, we just pray that you would be with the brothers and sisters who are part of this assembly. We pray for anyone who is experiencing sickness. We just pray that you would help restore them. Father, heal their bodies. Father, we pray that we can come back to meet soon. Lord, we just pray that, Lord, that this body would be strong and we would be connected even though we're at a distance. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen.